Welcome to Antimatter Pod, a Star Trek podcast where we discuss fashion, feminism, subtext, and subspace, hosted by Annika and Liz. Today is our 50th episode. Very impressed with us. Good job. And we're celebrating with a speed round of 50 questions, 25 each, with only one minute to answer. Some of my questions may take a lot less than one minute, I'm going to be honest. (laughs) Some of them might be simple, and other (laughs) ones will be like, why can't I talk about this for five minutes? And I just want to uh, shout out and say thank you to friend of the podcast and previous guest, Sam, whose idea this was. Good job. <laughs> yes, this was a genius idea on her part. And I don't know about you, but I didn't even cheat and go looking for like 30 days of Trek memes or anything to fill out my questions. I did consult my friends, but none of their, none of their questions, none of their suggestions were really helpful, except that they made me go sideways and think of similar but uh-huh. better I did ideas. look at the 30 Days of Trek memes, but I modified a lot of those mm. as well. Like you said, you're for your friends. And some of these are just ridiculous. <laughs> I will put that out there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but fun. But fun. But fun. But fun. Uh, so I go first. I will ask the question and then set the timer. And... Please talk for 60 seconds about cats, cats? in Star Trek. Like cats? Go. Cats. Oh, yeah. Meow. It's like, like cats? What? Cats in Star Trek? Okay. Uh, so <laughs> the prettiest cat is Neelix the cat, which is Barkley's cat that he named after the Voyager chef. I so agree. Beautiful, fluffy, white cat. Definitely the most beautiful out there. Just so elegant. The most Absolutely. interesting cat is probably the Spock, the white Isis that's like really a woman <laughs> or or somehow related oh, yeah. to a woman. I don't know if they're the same or if they're, but it's definitely like not really a cat. It's an alien, mm. potentially an alien woman, but that, that gif shows up a lot and is always fun and it's like you know you like to think of spock likes cats that's fun yes yes. (laughs) i didn't get to spot poor spot shout out to spot (laughs) i thought spot was such an obvious choice that the challenge would be not talking about so i did it seconds (laughs) success go me yeah yeah all right i'm gonna generate your first number all right your favorite line of dialogue oh that's really hard there's There's a lot of dialogue in this show like 50 odd years so Um, how about the first one that you know you you think of when you uh so I like to think that Cat's uh, lines about love, be- love is a choice and we make that choice every day and the only way to make a new road is to walk it. Those are ideas that I find very useful in my life. But to be honest, the line of dialogue that most often goes through my head on a day-to-day basis is there's coffee in that nebula as I shamble towards the coffee machine in my pajamas, preparing to start my day. I think that's a great one. So, it has so much character. Right, and it's so ridiculous, and it knows it's ridiculous, but it's also very sincere, and I think that's sort of the appeal of Voyager. That wasn't the timer, that was a text from my daughter. 
so keep I can talking keep talking for nine seconds. Uh, uh, I, I, I've just gone blank. Well, <laughs> this is hard. You're done. <laughs> you're done. Okay. <laughs> nailed it. Let me just, you can watch this part, but I need to tell her to not text me during the podcast. You have 60 seconds to sell me on the character of Jonathan Archer. <laughs> Go. To sell it. Okay. So look, I am not going to try to convince you that he is a good person because he's a terrible person. And he is the reason <laughs> everything that's wrong in the Federation can be tied back to Jonathan Archer and his ego and his huge daddy issues and his like chip on his shoulder that he was probably born with. But he's just so but. lovable. He's very, you know, aw shucks. You know, Scott Bakula just, just is Scott Bakula and he's very Scott Bakula about it. And so you have to mm. look past the fact that he's a terrible trash person and realize that, you know, he's trying. He wants to be a good person. Like, his goal in life is to be a hero. He does not know what a hero is, but you know what? He he has good intentions, and that doesn't get you very far. But it's fun to think and be able to say everything that's wrong with Star Trek and the Federation is Jonathan Archer's fault. That will do nicely. Thank you. Favorite plot twist? Oh, gosh. It's hard because there's a recency bias, so my first thought was Lorca is from the Mirror Universe, and I do love that. But I also love the twist in DS9, where it turns out that Bashir has been a changeling for like mm -hmm. half a dozen episodes. And does it entirely hold together? <laughs> no. But just as the reveal that Bashir is secretly genetically engineered does make sense in retrospect. It's just, it hangs together just well enough to work. And I really like the idea that, uh, that yeah, you really cannot trust your friends and you cannot trust that your enemies will play fair. And yeah, it was, it was nifty. And it's sort of, uh, is, is sort of a precursor to the Lorca twist. So, yeah, I, I guess the twist that someone is not who they were claiming to be all along works all right. Good job. Well done. Thank you. I just realized that to do this in real time, I can't edit out any of my waffle. So apologies to the audience who are going to discover how much <laughs> Wait, I'm waffling. That's okay. We're, we're, we're both doing that. <laughs> There's plenty mm. of going back and forth and babbling. And that's like most, that's, that's always our podcast, but... Sometimes, oh, oh. you know, you, you, you make us sound smart. <laughs> so, we'll see. <laughs> this is like a peek behind the curtain. We're still smart, but we're not as polished. <laughs> Never. And we're not even the most polished podcast to start with because nope. who has the time? <laughs> okay. Question three for you. What is your all-time favorite costume? My all-time favorite costume that's so hard because, you know, there's mm -hmm. many years and <laughs> so many costumes. I, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, like nothing good is even coming to, like, okay, so not best, but favorite is mm. the magenta blossom dress that, Troy wears in Menage Troy when she's 
on her date with Riker oh, yeah. because I just have very fond. I love that she like matches the the background and her mom and like it's all it's all a portrait all together and it looks a lot yeah. like the dress I wore to junior prom. <laughs> Is that a coincidence? Did you base your dress on Deanna's? No, I mean, it is a coincidence in that I I bought <laughs> I bought that dress um, at a, like, secondhand store. So it was, it was a coincidence, but it was definitely, I chose that one because it looked like Deanna. Right. It was like that Good year. to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Yours. Okay. This is, <laughs> this was provided. Uh, based on your opinions. Uh-oh. As you know, and we've discussed, Jordy has mm-hmm. a questionable track record with women in dating in general. Mm-hmm. But in all good things, he ends up with Leia Brahms anyway. <sighs> yes. Fix that by <laughs> setting him up with someone else. Uh, I think Jordy needs a woman who... Well, no, first of all, Geordie doesn't need a woman or a man. Geordie maybe might be happier being single, but since he does seem to pursue romance, I think he needs someone who won't tolerate his bullshit, but who communicates very clearly about her expectations and needs and who recognises that he is very bad at quote-unquote being romantic and she should be upfront with her expectations and what what would make her happy and not put him in a box of mm. attempted romance that ends up being creepy. But also, I, I don't think that this is a problem that just a love interest can fix. I think it's something that Geordie has to work on. Because, you know, Geordie is the guy who will take you out and he thinks it's a date, but he hasn't communicated that to you. And that's a Geordie problem. Geordie needs therapy. I like that answer. Good answer. Jordy Thank needs you. therapy. <laughs> yeah. So this is a topic that you suggested as a future episode, and I'm still open to doing that, but please talk about music in Star Trek. All right. So I love music, and I love uh, soundtracks. Like, it's not just mm. classical music, uh, instrumental. It's specifically soundtracks. I make my own playlists for anyone I care about and stuff like that. And, but I've always said that, like, my, if someone said, asked me what my favorite song is, I say Across the Stars from Star Wars, which is a John Williams piece, and, like, he's my favorite artist. Like, I can't choose a favorite band or a favorite vocal artist or pop star. It's, like, it's John Williams. And then after that, it's, like, Michael Giancarlo and Bear, whatever his name is. McCreary? (laughs) Yes, McCreary. And the uh, guy who did... How to Train Your Dragon, like, I love them. They're my favorite artists. And so I would, I, why I want to pitch it as a topic is I would love to just discuss how the musical themes help tell the story in Star Trek. And you'll have to come back for that. <laughs> I think I, I think I will. What Star Trek allegory or commentary episode stands up the best all these years later? Ah, gosh. I mean, there are so many, 
and some of them are more successful than others. And then you have episodes like The Outcast, which is kind of wishy-washy as an allegory for gay rights, but ends up being a really interesting and strong trans allegory. Uh, I think we have to go back to the classic TNG measure of a man because treating people as property is a problem that's endemic to our society. And yeah, it's not just, is he sentient, but is this person property and can we force him to work for us? And can we take him apart and put him back together as we need? And I think the humanist theme in that episode is very universal. And because it's about data and not a biological person, it does stand stand away from the more unfortunate implications of like, the aliens are symbol symbolic of people of color. Right. Like, data could stand for a lot of people and a lot of things. Very good. Do you have a least favorite episode in all of Trek? A least favorite episode in all of Trek. Um, I'm gonna go with Turnabout Intruder. Mm, good choice. <laughs> because it's ridiculous in every way <laughs> and just disgusting to watch. <laughs> There are, there yeah. are others that are also ridiculous and disgusting to watch, but there's really, like, nothing. You know, some people are like, well, at least it's well acted by Shatner, and since I am not a huge Shatner fan, that I don't is, care yeah, it's well acted by bug, Shatner. Maybe a not a feature. <laughs> and, uh, and so, so, yeah, so I would say that it's, it's Turnabout Intruder. That's what came straight to mind, and mm-hmm. that's what I'm going to go with. I just want to congratulate you for not going for the cliche choice of Spock's brain, which is equally silly but harmless. But fun, right? It's fun. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And two, one. <laughs> Stop that. Thank you. I'm not going to uh, random this one because I'm. it's a follow-up to the last question. Oh, which- good. Star Trek allegory or commentary episode stands up the worst. Far out. Um, so I mentioned that the outcast is quite flawed, in my opinion. Um, I think that the unintentional metaphor between XBs and AIDS patients in Picard is not bad, but it becomes terrible with the murder of Hugh and the treatment of XBs as expendable. And so, well, I think this is more of an allegory that was imposed by the fandom seeing themselves in the story. But it was also very obvious, and it's it's like JKR failing to see that... Uh, being a werewolf could be a metaphor for AIDS. It's really obvious and it's kind of awkward when someone misses it. But that's unintentional. If we're going for intentional metaphors, I think elogium as a metaphor for teen pregnancy is really bad. And it was really a metaphor for premature menopause. All right. Good job. Two for the price of one. <laughs> I have a much lighter question for you. There is a tradition in Star Trek of characters turning into lizards. Pick a Discovery character to turn into a lizard, and why? Pick a Discovery character. Okay, definitely the best lizard would be Tilly. 
Obviously. <laughs> because she's adorable and she would make a great lizard and mm-hmm. she wouldn't... Like, she would be upset at first. She would be, like, freaking out at first and really upset and, and concerned. But once Michael calmed her down, she would look at it as this great opportunity to understand science from a different perspective mm. of lizard person. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that she would then be able to, uh, like, she'd have a lot of fun with it and would miss being a lizard when she got turned back. <laughs> she and might also, just replicate a dish of flies now and then too. I I would really love the scene of like Saru and Tilly bonding over their bodies changing without their mm. knowledge and and like I just I want I want more Tilly and Saru mentoring scenes. Like I love Tilly and Michael, but I also want to see her with Saru. Like, because I think that they could have a similar each giving good advice type of thing. And so I yeah. want more of that. And <laughs> I would involve it in the lizard story. <laughs> Lovely. Let us bask in the sun for a moment with that thought. Yours is favorite Star Trek sound effect. Oh, gosh. Uh, This is going to be weird, but you know what I find really satisfying? The noise the holodeck doors make on the Enterprise and and Voyager. Just that (laughs) sort of noise. I I cannot begin to reproduce it, but it's just so solid that it makes me... I'm so glad you tried, though. That was was what I wanted out of this question. Oh, well, I'm so happy to oblige. And I think it's a shame that other holodecks don't make that very satisfying. Like there's a clunk clunk in there. And I think there's a clunk clunk somewhere in there. No, I cannot. I cannot reproduce it. Now that I'm trying to think of it, I can't even call it to mind. But it has a shape. And I like that shape. That's a great answer. Good Thank job. You. Good job. I, I cannot stretch it out to 60 seconds, though. I nah, barely you're needed good. to think you're, about it. Yeah, you're fine. Five left. Good, good job. Coffee break. <laughs> All right. Now, do you have a favorite TOS episode? Yes. My favorite TOS episode is Devil in the Dark. Hmm. Because. Love, love that hoarder. <laughs> yeah, it is about taming a dragon instead of destroying it. And Mm -hmm. that's my favorite story. (laughs) So I, I love that there are the, the, the point at the end of it is that there were all monsters and they all found humanity quote unquote within Mm -hmm. themselves. And, Mm -hmm. uh, it's, you know, I just, I, I love that they start out wanting to hunt it, but then decide that it's a bigger story and I just think that that's very representative of why I like Star Trek. No I agree and uh, it's been been remade almost a couple of times in TNG and so forth but I think that the original is the best. All right I have a super fun one for you. Uh oh. (laughs) All right it's fuck Mary kill with yes. the captains. So you get Oh good. You get 3 each. <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. 3 fucks, 3 marries and 3 kills. And the the people are mm-hmm. Kirk, Picard, Cisco, Janeway, Archer, 
Georgiou, Lorca, Pike, and Rios. Go. Okay. First of all, I have to check which Lorca. <laughs> the, the one in your mind. Uh, okay. If it's Mira Lorca, I'm going to fuck, but then I'm going to kill. Uh, okay. Kill is Picard. Um, no. Kirk, Archer. Uh, I don't want to kill Cisco. I've, okay. Kill Lorca. Kirk, Archer, Lorca. Okay. Fuck. Giorgio, Janeway, Rios. Rios just seems like he'd be good in bed. Uh, <laughs> and then Mary. Okay, so I assumed. Okay, Mary is Janeway, Cisco, Picard. Is that everyone? Yes. Wow. Okay, that was really hard. And then I realized at the last minute that I probably should have been thinking of Captain Giorgio, not Emperor Giorgio. Yes, it was but... definitely Captain Giorgio. Oops. <laughs> like, Lorca could go either way, but Giorgio was, was the good one. I. But it's okay, I think you married her. Or did you? No, you. So. I, I, th- I think I fucked so... her. Oh, well. So <laughs> I'm sure it was a respectful and satisfying experience for all. <laughs> Okay, good job. That was fun, thank you. (laughs) You're very welcome. Please name an actor who has not been in Star Trek, but who you would like to see in Star Trek. All of them. (laughs) Um, I mean, we've already discussed all of the Star Wars crossovers that I would like. So, John Boyega and Adam Driver get to be in it, and Mm -hmm. why not Daisy Ridley? Sure. Sure. Um, And... But, um, like, you know, I don't know. Do I have a favorite actor who isn't in Star Wars who hasn't been in Star Trek? (laughs) I mean, there's, like, there's always my, like, Naomi Watts. Mm. I really love Naomi Watts. She's one of my favorite actresses, and I will cast her in anything. Um, I wanted her to be Carol Danvers. But they went for young, which is fine. I didn't, like nothing against Brie, but I still, when I look at Naomi Watts, I see Carol Danvers, and so basically, like Admiral Carol Danvers, <laughs> played I... by Naomi Watts, I'm up. I, I would be super I'm ready into for that. It. So that's that's my choice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I love it. Ah, most romantic moment. Jesus, that's hard. Yeah. Trying to be hard. <clears throat> I know there's not a lot of romance, but <laughs> much of it is done poorly. Um, I really like the bit in Insurrection where Riker comes into Deanna's office and basically sits with his head in her lap, and she's like, "What the fuck?" But she's also really into it, and it's just so flirty and familiar and it's the start of a relationship where they once had a relationship and they've been friends for much longer than they've been exes and yeah I think that that is a moment that I have really come to appreciate in the last last few years and I like it a lot Uh, is it a grand epic glamorous romance no but I don't really trust grand epic glamorous romance so yeah I, like, clutched my heart. That was such a sweet, Mm -hmm. perfect choice. Good job. Thank you. Okay. One episode you would show to someone who has never seen Star Trek before? That's so hard. See, Mm -hmm. I am not... I would ask them, or if I knew them, I would would choose one for them. I'm the type of person... You know, people say, 
what are the top 10 comics to get into, you know, excite someone or what, mm. what, you know, episode of whatever do you want to show them to, to show off the show? And I'm like, if I, if it's not something that they're going to like, then I want, it doesn't matter if it's the most perfect episode of Star Trek ever made, if they're not going to get it or like be invested or have a connection to it in any way. Yeah. So I would, it's really, it's, that's my answer is that I need to know what the person likes in media, probably specifically in science fiction, you know, mm. uh, what's the word? Like, it's not transformative, but in fandom, <sighs> no, like that, the word for, for things that aren't real, but not fantasy, <laughs> but like there's a thing speculative science yes. fiction speculative like that's what I, I would want to know what they like in speculative fiction and I would choose the episode based on that I think that's a really good answer Who? Mm. what's that word like I know what episode of Babylon 5 I would show you but I also know you wouldn't enjoy it right like, no matter how perfect an episode it is so yeah, yeah it needs to be you need to take the person you're dealing with into account all right, so what is the favorite Trek merchandise you own? Oh, uh, gosh. I don't own very much merchandise, but uh, Jules, who was a guest on our podcast, went to Comic-Con either last year or the year before, and she got me a Discovery-era Admirals badge. Oh, it's, it's a little smaller than the one Cat wears. It's a little enamel badge, and I love it, and I never wear it on anything because I'm terrified that I'll lose it. It's beautiful. Thank Yay. you. Also, I've I've pre-ordered the Michael Burnham Funko, Funko Pop. <laughs> uh, not the Saru, because that is a cursed object that I will not have in my house. But I'm looking forward to having Michael. Wonderful. All right, go. Do you have a favorite TNG episode? Uh, yes, Ensign Row. Yes. So, I, partially because it was just such a personal moment for me. I really felt mm. seen by Star Trek for the first time in my life. And I, I don't mean like I never related to Star Trek before then. Obviously, I, I kept watching it, so I liked it and I, <laughs> I enjoyed it. But I really felt like kinship with Ro Laren, that she yes. was this, you know, hard-edged, damaged, messed up person who wanted to be better and thought mm. she never could. And yes. was like afraid to even try because so you know she was trying to push everyone away and and I just was that was my character that was the type of person and so and then on top of that I really think that it's a really wonderful example of when Star Trek shows that the Federation has flaws that yeah. that it's not utopian for everyone. And right. that's also very important to me. So, Absolutely. It's also Roe is a very young character, like not as young as, as Wesley, but I think if you're a teenage girl, Roe would really resonate. Uh, I was sort of preteen and still in my, I'm a good girl and I have no anger in me whatsoever phase, <laughs> which was a lie. But yeah, it took me a few years to recognize myself in Roe. A couple of, you know, a few years after that was my, when it, you know, I went into my Riot Girl phase, so <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was on the cusp of Riot Girl, mm. so. Mm. 
Okay, so the next one is what Star Trek merchandise that exists or does not exist do you mm. want? Uh... I really, really, really want a Cat Cornwell pop Funko Pop, uh, mostly so she can hang out with my Admiral Holdo Funko Pop. And I've got to say, it was a bad year for Space Admirals blowing up for me. Uh, and one of the reasons I was so devastated about her death was that I knew that there was more merch coming down the line and that Cat's death meant she wouldn't get a Funko Pop. So... That's kind of stupid. Uh, do tie-in novels count as merch? Yes, sure. Uh, I would really like a tie-in novel about Kat's background and also one about Jet Reno. I would like to write the one about Kat's background. Oh, me too. Hi, Amy. But I think, I think a, a, a very long blog post calling out Simon & Schuster's uh, systemic sexism in Star Trek tie-ins has probably put me out of the running for that. Just, just a hypothesis. Oops. Oh, well. uh, I knew what I was doing when I did it. But uh, one day I will write the novel in my head and post it to AO3. Awesome. Is there a writer for the TV series, any TV series, whose work you like best? For a Star Trek writer? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me think. No. <laughs> because I don't know who they are. <laughs> I'll be honest. No, um, no. Talk I about like that. The, the ones that I don't like as much are the names that I know, unfortunately. That is sad. So, so I have, I have no idea. And also, like television, is really hard. Television is really hard. It it really requires a team. You know, yeah. unless you're like Aaron Sorkin, and if you look at Aaron Sorkin's body at work. I think he needs a team. So, <laughs> yeah. so I think that, but the, tr the honest answer is I don't know who they are. So I don't have a favorite. No, I, I think sorry. that's a reasonable answer. I feel really badly now. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> what is your favorite Star Trek reference in another body of work? Oh, oh, this is really new because I'm watching Pose for the first time and in season two of Pose, which is set in 1990 in the trans and queer community in the ballroom culture of New York, the main character, Blanca, makes two references in one episode to people speaking Klingon at her. And I have to believe that Blanca is a Trekkie and she watched the original series as a little girl living in a little boy's life as a kid and loved Uhura and wanted to be as glamorous and beautiful as that. And now it's 1990 and she makes her family watch Next Generation every week on whatever dodgy syndicated New York network it's on. And she loves it and she is secretly a nerd, but she is outside of nerd culture. And just that reference made me really happy. It was just such a small thing, but I, I suddenly saw a piece of Blunker's life that I hadn't, excuse me, that I hadn't seen before. Wonderful. Do you have an ultimate Star Trek cosplay goal? Yes. Uh, specifically Disney princesses and Star Trek. So I would really love to do like Dax as Belle and Deanna as Cinderella. And <laughs> so it's... Seven of nine is Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You're you're on my wavelength. And so I would just really 
I would have a lot of fun. And mm. I, and I think that it would be like I even had a Tumblr post where I was like assigning Disney princes and princesses to all of all of Star Trek and it was just a lot of fun and you know people can do amazing amazing cosplays and I appreciate each and every one of them I have never really done a perfect cosplay like a screen ready Rebel mm. Legion approved cosplay for any any fandom and I think my niche is more the out there stuff. I would lead into that. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. All right, so this one is actually from Tumblr, but it was specifically for you, so I decided to include it on here, even though I don't think it should be for you. So with that, okay. <clears throat> here's a question for Liz, uh, uh, which was asked after our Enterprise episode. What do you think of liberals who say that Trump made them miss George W. Bush? Uh, Australian. Uh, I I think that they maybe have very rosy mem- memories of the Bush era, and you sort of look back at that time, and yes, it wasn't as bad as it is now, but it was sort of laying the groundwork for what we have now in terms of encouraging an us versus them culture and building a sense of anti-intellectualism and. You know, Bush didn't invent this either. It's been going back since... I'm going to blame Nixon, because I like to blame Nixon for things. And I think Watergate really damaged... Like, as an outsider, I see a lot of damage to America emanating from Watergate. But, uh, yeah, I think those liberals are wrong and should read some modern history and reconsider their opinions. Fair. And as an American, I agree. (laughs) do you have a favorite deep space nine episode yes it's far beyond the stars classic i know cliche but that's my favorite and i've said before that it's actually probably my favorite episode of trek i don't know if that's i don't i think favorite is is the wrong word Mm. i think that i have stronger feelings for other episodes but this one i think is so perfect right in what yes. it does in what it captures and everything about it is on like is perfect the costuming is amazing the production design is amazing the script the direction the acting every single thing that happens in the story is amazing and the plot is about us as yes. star trek fans and so i just think it's sort of like a valentine to the whole fandom and one of those allegory commentary episodes. So, just, yeah. So, yeah, that's my favorite Deep Space Nine episode for sure. It's also sort of an indictment of, the, of science fiction media and its claims to be political, but it won't do the work. Right. Yeah. I can't believe I forgot that episode when you were asking about allegories because it's so good. <laughs> I think you can tell a lot about a fan, a Deep Space Nine fan, by whether their favourite episode is Far Beyond the Stars or In the Pale Moonlight. Yes, that makes sense. Mm. <laughs> All right, so here's a question from Twitter. Yeah. Which Star Trek character would make the best grilled cheese? Wow. 
not Picard. Okay, no, not Picard, Jaban. <laughs> I, I started to think, I think Riker's grilled cheese is probably quite good. I would not turn down a grilled cheese from Dr. McCoy. I suspect that a grilled cheese from Cisco would be interesting, but he should stick to the stuff that he's good at, which is more complicated dishes. Definitely wouldn't eat a grilled cheese from Quark or Neelix. Uh, I'm not racist. I just don't think they're very good at food. Um, mm. Tom Paris probably does a reasonable grilled cheese. And I look at Travis Mayweather and I see a man who knows his way around a skillet. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think I just have to come back to Jaban because his would be made with love and also French cheese and fresh bread. Yes. Great, great answers. Thank you. <laughs> Please talk about Sarek for 60 seconds. <laughs> talk about Okay. Um, Sarek has, you know, he's, he's, has things in common with Jonathan Archer. <laughs> <laughs> not actually a good person. But he wants to be. He wants to be a good person. And he's not, like, genocidal. Like, none of them, neither of them are so bad. That right. Like, it's not like Darth Vader and my love for him, you know? It's like, there's, they're, they're just not great at peopling. And Sarek, in particular, is just terrible at communication. He's terrible at telling people how he feels about them or, like, understanding that feelings exist in the first place. Mm. He is the worst Vulcan, but also the worst Vulcan that hangs out with humans. Like, he's just not good at either side. But he wants to be, and he's open to it, and he's a product of his culture, so he's another person that's it's really, really interesting to, you know, there's so much complexity in this side character that has, nonetheless has been around for over 50 years now. Yeah. So it's really, it's just really impressive. And now, like, poor James Frayne, I, I cannot see him. And he was in a, he was in a, an episode of The Good Life, and then he was in an episode of SVU. I've been watching a lot of, like, you know. Procedures. This is what I, I put it on in the, back, in the background while I'm doing everything now that I live at home and work at home and do everything at home. And so every time James Frayne pops up, I'm like, that's Sarek. It's a, it's a secret, secret Vulcan, and I try to make it work in my head. So he's become, it's like, that's what I do for Jimmy Smith. He's always Bail Organa, so mm. it's, it's happened to poor James Frayne. <laughs> and and like, no offense to the other Sareks, but he's my Sarek now. Oh, that's nice. So, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Has it been 60 seconds? It, it has been about 90 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Okay. You are trapped on a desert island yes. with three characters from Star Trek. Who are they? Uh, do they have to be like the best characters to get off the island or the best to be trapped nope. with or the worst to be trapped with? They're just whoever you want on your island. Then I'm going to go with people who are good company <laughs> and fun to be around. So... Garrick, um, <laughs> almost said Neelix, Tuvok, Garrick, Tuvok, and Deanna Troy. Wow. I think you should write that fic for me. <laughs> I just feel like 
Deanna and Garrick would be really on top of like making cocktails with all out of all of the the fallen coconuts or whatever, and that that would be really cool. And we could laze around in the sun. And Tuvok would be the one to get us to stop drinking coconut cocktails and actually build a raft and get ourselves off the desert island. <laughs> very good. But also, Tuvok is very fun. He doesn't know it, but he is. But I agree that Tuvok is very fun. It was really it was you said. I want people that are fun to be with, so Garrick. And I was just like, what? <laughs> like, Garrick would never be at the top of my list of people who are fun to be with. <laughs> and I guess that says a lot about me. I guess it's that he's very entertainingly mean about people. Although, if you're trapped on a desert island with him, then what if he runs out of other people to be mean with and starts in on you? I need to think about this further. But in the meantime... Please consider if there is a novelist you'd like to see writing a Star Trek novel. <laughs> Again with the writers, you want, you expect me to know people. Um. <laughs> dead space as I try to think of literally <laughs> any person who writes for a living. Um, and I... I'm looking at my library, I'm looking at all of my books. They're all old, none of them are great. And, and I'm scared of writers too, because what if they turn out to be JK Rowling? Oh god, <laughs> like, I know. I don't want to say anyone, I don't trust anyone anymore. <laughs> like, remember when Jas Whedon wrote the X-Men? But, oh god, um, yes. I don't know, a woman <laughs> and uh, you've made it to a 60 seconds a, a diverse woman <laughs> sorry no no i expected you to say suzanne collins because you like the hunger games and also she's not really <laughs> online she's not on social media so we have no idea what terrible opinions she holds so Hilariously, that was the first thing that came to mind, but I couldn't come up with her name. I was like, the woman who wrote the Hunger Games, but I couldn't come up with her name and I and I didn't say it. So yeah, but yes, you're right. I, Good I'm job. Not sure you how she me. would go writing a utopia. But I think she has an interesting grasp of science fiction and writes a good adventure, so Who was the worst death? Uh, hi, have I mentioned that I'm still mad about the death of Admiral Katrina Cornwell? <laughs> like, don't get me wrong, I'm also still pretty mad about the fridging of Zial and the fact that Garrick gets more attention in his grieving than Major Kira, the girl's surrogate mother. But, yeah, I'm just still really, really bummed about Kat, and I think... If her death had come at the culmination of an arc instead of feeling like a last-minute decision to raise the stakes, quote-unquote, I might be more okay with it. But honestly, I really do think that the intention was to have Jet Reno take that photon torpedo, and they realised at, the at a fairly late stage that they could not kill another queer character. And so, obviously, if I had to make a choice between Cat and Jet, I would make the same choice they did, but... I don't think they needed to kill anyone at all. It was just so poorly executed and stupid. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Very good. Very good. Thank you. You have mentioned it. Oh. <laughs> Once or twice. Favourite Voyager episode? 
See, this is harder mm. because it's, it's, you know, I have a lot of affection for Voyager. It's My standard answer is Year of Hell. Yes. Because it's a story about everything being ripped away from you and standing up and getting up and doing it all over again, which is a story I like. Yes. My only issue with Year of Hell, like Year of Hell is, I think, my favorite episode and one of the strongest episodes of Voyager overall. Um, but I don't like that it doesn't happen at the end. I have this yeah. issue <laughs> with all of any episode that includes time travel or causality loops or whatever they are because I hate that, you know, for the best example in Year of Hell is the the Chewbacca and Seven relationship gets so much use mm. and growth in that episode and then it didn't happen and they never really do that again so it's it's like a you know missed opportunities and and I get sad about relationships <laughs> that changed and yet didn't change because of the reset button so I'm not a big fan of reset buttons but I also love that episode and I think that the reset button at the end with time's up is very powerful I agree on all of these counts. Who is your favorite Vulcan and human team up? Oh God, because they're all good. Like they're all good. Even mm. T'Pol and Archer, I'm like, nah. but T'Pol makes everything better. Uh, I do think my favorite has to be Janeway and Tuvok because they are such a good balance, and they have the sort of relationship that. Uh, Kirk and Spock have by the time of the movies where they trust each other absolutely and they know each other so well and yet they can still surprise each other for good or bad and they just enjoy each other's company so much and it's really fun to watch and Janeway respects his boundaries and only ever gently tries to push him which is more than can be said for most people on Voyager so mm. yeah yeah, I think Janeway and Tuvok. I kind of wish that Chakotay had been killed off about season five and <laughs> Tuvok could have been first officer and Harry moved to tactical. Like, yeah. Be great for Harry. Uh, yeah. Um, yes, you know, promote Harry. Justice for Harry Kim. Hashtag. <laughs> Is there a food or drink from Star Trek that you would like to try? Um, well... Romulan ale, <laughs> obviously. Right. And I've had more than one, uh, you know, facsimile. Yes. And they're all good and fun. And I just really like, like, Romulan air is sort of lightsaber blue color, and mm -hmm. that's one of my favorite colors. So it's like not, a, it's like super nerdy, but it's <laughs> it's my my favorite color and my favorite race. Mm. and is supposed to be like knock your socks off right so yeah i want to try yeah. that i want to try it i'm into it i look at romulan ale and i go is that really an ale because it looks like a spirit i mean i don't honestly know the difference <laughs> but um it's romulan what is ale made out of wheat am uh, i making that up ale is a type of beer so and Romulan ale looks more like a vodka. So 
I don't know. Maybe it's a mistranslation. We should consult Laris and Shaban and their cooking <laughs> shows. Yes. yes. And their cooking show. Okay. All right. <clears throat> what is your favorite Star Trek philosophy? <sighs> I almost want to say we are Starfleet to troll you. Uh, <laughs> I cannot distill it down into one single quote, save for maybe there's coffee in that nebula. But the idea that you have your ideals and you hold to them and you recognize when they're failing and adapt and you don't leave, you don't intentionally leave people behind. And whether that's an individual on an away team or a section of society. So a, a sense of not just equality, but equity and inclusion. That's great. Thank you. Uh, if you could recast one character, who would it be and who would you put in their place? Oh my goodness. Okay. Uh, if I could recast one character... This is hard. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, who do I think go like really pulls it down? Like, I don't want to... You just killed off Chakotay, so I don't want to continue <laughs> to be mean to Robert Belcher and be like... But who would make Chakotay good is really that, like... That's a, I think the a lack, question. The lack of high-profile Native American <laughs> actors. Is a problem, right. Right, right. And I think I read somewhere that they cut, they auditioned a lot of Native American actors and they were quote-unquote too Native American. So, Ooh, yikes. Just, yikes, guys. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, there's no one that like I think drags down the whole of it mm. like yeah, they're there they've become those characters to me so you know if we're talking reboot I've recast Next Generation mm. for a quote-unquote reboot in like the Kelvin timeline but it wouldn't be the same no no yeah it's hard <laughs> it is I wasn't sure that I would have an answer either if you had asked me that so I think mm. that's that's a reasonable response Who's the Trek character you most want to see again? Uh, Katrina Cornwell? Hello? <laughs> uh, but I would also really love to see Beverly in Picard. Um, I would like to see Bailana and Janeway in Picard. Uh, I would like to see Esri Dax and Worf. I, I, is there a character I don't ever want to see again? I think is the mm. real question. And, Fair. Uh, I'm kind of over Spock. It's not that I have any dislike for his character. I just feel like his story has been told and told again. And it's getting to a point where there's nothing new we can learn about this character. So what is he contributing? Yeah. And when they add things that are new, it upsets people mm. on many levels. So yeah, I get that. That mm. makes sense. I, I suppose if Strange New Worlds gave us Spock in a mentoring role, like sort of a precursor to Savik and Var uh, Valeris, that would be interesting. But he's so young at that point in right. the series that I don't think it's feasible. I think he will be the mentored. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was the cushion <laughs> falling off my desk. My podcasting wow. cocoon is falling apart. 
uh, yeah. <laughs> That's okay. We're real. So real. My waste paper basket just knocked over. Got knocked over in the process. So now I'm like, there are <laughs> tissues everywhere. That's gross. Anyway, is there a set or setting that you love? A set or a setting, like somewhere they go? Yeah, a place whose design you like, basically. I really love Astrometrics. Voyager? In Voyager. Ast- yes, Astrometrics in Voyager. And to be fair, Astrometrics in Next Generation is also prettier than like the rest mm. of the sets in Next Generation. But in Voyager, you know, I would love to go into that room. Yeah. Know, to step into a room where it's, it's sort of like a... Um, like an observatory when you go when you go to a science museum and you go to see the star show and you get into like an auditorium that's all in the round and you look up at the sky it has that same effect but yeah. it's like the actual stars <laughs> so so it's fun and interactive so I, I would say as as part of like a set that would be my favorite one that that I would want to go play around good answer all right, I'm going to ask you this one because you just brought him up, so I'm interested. Mm. Who is your favorite Spock? <laughs> Nimoy. Like, none of the other Spocks are bad. I have no problem with Quinto or uh, Peck's performances, but there's something about Leonard Nimoy and his face and his physicality, and he was the original, and everyone else is, to an extent, imitating him. And... Yeah, he had a tremendous presence that's very difficult to replicate. That wasn't a difficult question. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't at all. I, I also think Nimoy is the sexiest Spock. <laughs> Sexy Spock. <sighs> okay. I just pictured like the worst stripper name and it is indeed Sexy Spock. Sexy Spock! Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is my 20th question. Do you have a favorite Enterprise episode? Um, I think I said on our episode, our our discussion of episode that I really like Carbon Creek, and you were like disturbed. <laughs> <laughs> but I really like Carbon Creek. It's fun. I like old. I like. I like time trial episodes that are about playing with time, not like mm. ignoring time or or deleting it. Um, but I also really like the final two episodes before the final episode like the final episode is terrible but Terra Prime and the other one (laughs) (laughs) um about the baby like I you know I just really like babies and (laughs) I liked the rebels and like the conflict and that that was just sort of like they were finally getting into something interesting with a lot of people really like the fourth season of Enterprise best. I was not a huge fan of all of the Brent Spiner stuff. And I the, the Vulcan stuff I liked and disliked. But mm. the Rebels and the baby and just the emotions of that. Like giving to Paul a lot to feel that wasn't about trip (laughs) yeah i I liked that all right go please cross over trek with another fandom (sighs) that 
that's hard. Um, now I'm doing what you did when you were looking at your bookshelves. I'm like, other <laughs> fandoms? Are there other fandoms? What? What? I know, it's hard. Uh, related, my answer to this was The Hunger Games. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a reason. <clears throat> like, we've talked about, like, Star Trek The West Wing and Star Trek Jag and all of the different genres related to other media that, that we'd mm -hmm. like to see. And, and I still love all of those. I guess if I was going to do a straight crossover... If I say Mass Effect, I'm not just dunking on the fact that Picard is, to an extent, a Mass Effect adaptation. Like, I think there is enough similarities in the universes to make it sort of semi-work. All right. I know you're not a sports person, but <laughs> nope. if you lived in the Star Trek universe, would you follow a space sport? Would you have a Parisi Squares team? Or... Parisi Squares was what came to mind, and I was mm -hmm. like, maybe, but I'm no, probably not, <laughs> because I'm not a sports person. And I, we, this came up in my real life recently, where someone offered me a hat that had the Boston Red Sox on it, and I made a face, <laughs> and I got in trouble, and I, I was like, you know you are from Massachusetts, so you're, like, contractually obligated to care about the mm. Boston Red Sox. I am from Connecticut, where I am free to not care about sports at all, because we don't have any. I, so, I was going to say, I've never heard of a famous <laughs> Connecticut sports team. Nope. So, I, I don't care about, like, I just... I, I like I love the Olympics. Mm -hmm. If the Olympics were still happening, I would definitely be super into that. But it's more of the pomp and circumstance than the actual like sporting. Right. Um. So yeah, I don't think I would be hmm. into even space sports. No, I think that's fair. All right. What is your favorite disregard of the prime director? <laughs> Anytime Janeway disregards the Prime Directive, she is right and correct to do so, and I would never fault her for it. Uh, likewise, Picard. Does Cisco ever violate the Prime Directive? Oh, I guess, I guess manipulating the Romulans into joining the war is certainly against the spirit of the Prime Directive. Mm. Uh, that does involve the Romulans, so I guess I'm very in favour. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's really. That time Cisco turned up and became a religious figure on Bajor. That's a pretty mate, pretty pretty egregious breach that I'm into. Um, but it's, it is really hard to narrow them down to just one. Fuck, marry, kill. Section thirty-one, the Obsidian Order, and the Tal Shiar. <laughs> no fair. <laughs> I I don't want to kill any of them. But Aww. I'm going to kill the Obsidian Order because I just don't care about the Cardassians as much. Sorry. Rip the, <laughs> rip the Obsidian Order. Um, I'm going to fuck Section 31 mm. because 
they're the sexiest. <laughs> in my head, at least. <laughs> and, well, because, you know, in my head, Section 31 is just a Lith and Nikita in yeah, Star Trek. Yeah, so, yeah. clearly, they're the sexiest. <laughs> and then I would marry the Talashiar because I 100% would be my my human spy who goes rogue and joins the Romulans. Right, so right. That's that's what I would do. Or just be a Romulan. I would love to have been born a Romulan. So, yep. I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> In a similar vein. Uh, as we... Uh, recently are, are upset with Hogwarts and so we're coming up with different ways to sort. Yes. And one of the best ways is the Golden Girls. <laughs> so I would like you to choose a Star Trek character for each of the four Golden Girls. Is this the time that I confess that I've never watched the Golden Girls? <laughs> no, I mean it's okay. You are in Australia, so... Oh, no, it definitely aired here. less fair. Just, my parents were very anti-sitcom, so I completely missed, like, the Golden Girls, Full House, the Cosby Show. These were names that I heard, but never actually mm. things that I watched. Well, <laughs> if you want to do Hogwarts, you can do that, I guess. Okay, so... Bearing in mind that, obviously, J.K. Rowling is terrible, and we've known this for a while, but sort of been in denial. Uh, obviously, I think most of the captains are Gryffindors, but some of them pass themselves off very well as Ravenclaws. Like, mm. you could easily mistake Picard and Jojo for Ravenclaws. And I think Michael Burnham is going to be a great captain because she is 100% a Gryffindor masquerading as a Ravenclaw. <laughs> Very good. I guess that's all we get. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've let it's you okay. down. I just want to say that Riker is Blanche. That's, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> is that the lady who dates a lot? And often yes. wears very shiny things. Yes. Yeah, I can see it. Because, like, most of my knowledge of this show comes from memes. So <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Do you have a favourite theme song? So, okay, yes, let's say. Um, I really, really love the Picard theme song and mm. the Picard music in general. Yeah. Jeff Rosso does so, great work. Absolutely amazing. Amazing, beautiful work. And I like the Voyager theme more than Deep Space Nine, mm. which is apparently a controversial and popular opinion. I don't hate the Enterprise theme song, which is also controversial and unpopular. I think the first two seasons are way better. The the peppy version is really horrible, but when it's sort of <laughs> sweet and poignant, it's not awful. And they're definitely the they're that's my favorite opening credits. I uh, like visually. Yeah. Oh. You've reached your and time. TOS is better than TNG. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the end. All right. What is Katrina Cornwell's middle name? Okay, this is going to sound 
awfully self-serving, but any time I've tried to give her a middle name, all that I can come up with is Elizabeth. And it's like I have this disconnect where I go, yeah, Katrina Elizabeth Cornwell really rolls off the tongue. And then five minutes later, I'm like, shit, my name's Elizabeth. <laughs> so it's not like an intentional ego Mary Sue thing. It's just that it's a very common name. And yeah, it's common in the same way that Katrina and any derivative of Catherine is common. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. I've yep. tried to shoehorn my heart into Katrina Margaret Cornwell, but that doesn't sound right. It doesn't fit her. All right. Hmm. Fair. You know, fair. Yeah. So I feel pretty silly admitting it. I've deliberately avoided giving her a middle name in fic or anything, but that's that's my embarrassing confession. <laughs> okay. I don't think it's that embarrassing as far as confessions go. <laughs> there are certainly worse. Uh <laughs> Favorite movie? Star, Star Trek. Trek Four. Yep. <laughs> uh, the one with the whales. Yes. Because it's another. I was the right age <laughs> to, and I loved whales, and I, <laughs> you know, I was super into everything about that movie because it was, you know, again, I like time travel when it's meaningful playing with time travel when yeah when it's meaningful when it's when it's not forgetting but it's it's you know anytime they go into modern times is fine that's just the yeah way it is and I just love Jillian Taylor I wanted to be her so badly like I want that's who I wanted to be when I grew up and I told people that and they did not believe me <laughs> and and so I did not become Jillian Taylor but I still, to this day, if I were independently wealthy or could just go to school for fun, mm. I would 100% just go get my PhD in marine biology and buy a boat and live in a boat and go study whales. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. <laughs> I would also 100% go into the future given the chance. <laughs> well, I so. think what's great about Gillian is that like, she has this little romance with Kirk, but she has no illusions about it. And she goes into the future for her profession. For yeah, for her yeah. career. And because she loves her whales, even though they are not the hell her whales. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. We're getting so close to the end. What is your favorite trope created by Star Trek? It's very problematic, but the everyone loses their inhibitions thing really, really works for me. Uh, I'm not such a fan of the extremely sexy version of The Naked Now, but the thing in The Naked Time where people's inhibitions are what are keeping them from stripping down to their, stripping their shirt off and running around with a sword or... Spock crying because his mother, he never told his mother he loved her. I love that sort of story. And mm. uh, yeah, I think it's a real shame that it just went off into awkward, sexy times in, in future iterations. Mm. Uh, I also really love the Mirror Universe. Like, I think, I don't know if Star Trek was the first to do that, but it certainly codified it in a way that has really lasted down the decades. And I adore the concept of the mirror universe, even though I know it makes no sense. (laughs) All right. Hmm. 
So now we come to my 25th question. And uh, I said that I only had 24 and that I was hoping that something else would come up. And then I forgot to listen for anything that would trigger a new question. So I'm going with my placeholder question and it's really silly. Uh, Whiskey infused gum or whiskey flavored chewing gum? Yes or no? What? In Deep Space Nine, in the baseball episode, uh, Bashir and O'Brien are not really sure about this whole baseball thing, but then O'Brien replicates we, replicates gum because gum, it's traditional and, and realises he and can make it whiskey flavoured. Yeah. So yes or no? Uh, no. <laughs> no. Nope. I can't imagine chewing whiskey. It definitely suggests something has gone terribly wrong in the whole... Like, it just... Just, just, that's not my thing. (laughs) Good for you, O'Brien. Not my thing. Thanks, though. It raises a separate question, though. Is O'Brien an alcoholic? Um, well, Scotty's definitely an alcoholic. (laughs) Right. And I think that O'Brien is supposed to be, you know, an homage of some kind. Right. So I feel that, or, or not necessarily an homage, but like they realized they were giving him sort of the same characteristics and plot, and mm. so they leaned into it and decided to go all the way. <laughs> and uh, which you know, for for real or woe. Mm. Mm. <clears throat> but no, no. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a huge whiskey drinker to begin with, but. I cannot imagine it as gum. I'm not even a big, like, fruit gum person. I think it should be mint. So. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. All right. I'm very proud of my last question. Uh Uh-oh. That's worrying. Create a bridge crew out of Avatar The Last Airbender characters. Okay. Can I include the sequel, Legend of Korra? You can. Yes. Yes. Okay. I feel like I've been preparing for this moment my whole life. Obviously, Iro is the captain. Uh, Lin Bei Fong is the first officer because Iro is the understanding diplomatic guy who's also a hell of a warrior, but also like a father to his men. And Lin is the hard ass who will shoot first and ask questions later. And, you know, she's a cop. Bless her heart. Uh, Cora is security and tactical. Uh... Aang, I think, is an engine... No, Aang, gosh. I think Aang is the pilot, because he flies. Uh, Sokka is the engineer. Uh, Maybe Asami is the chief engineer, and Sokka is the assistant chief engineer. Uh, Katara is the ship's counsellor, but like the hard-ass ship's counsellor who will yell at you if you don't start (laughs) dealing with your problems. And, yeah, yeah, I think this is a solid little team. Yay! 50 episodes. 50 questions. 50 episodes. We should be very proud of ourselves. I really am. Because I don't know about you, but I pick up projects and don't really follow through to any meaningful extent. Whereas... But... Yeah. I feel I feel like we have had a lot of really great conversations, and we continue to, and... I'm always inspired, so I think it's wonderful, and I love doing this project. Same. So, I'm so, so happy. So thanks for being on the journey with me. Thank you. I look forward to another 50. Oh, that's a really Yay. good number. 
let's stay. <laughs> let's save for another ten, and we'll just you know we'll look up one That's day. That's right. And, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Antimatter Pod. You can find our show notes at at antimatterpod.tumblr.com, including links to our social media and credits for our theme music. You can also follow us on Twitter at at antimatterpod. Sometimes we post cat pictures and questions for our audience. If you like us, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume your podcasts. The more reviews, the easier it is for new listeners to find us. And join us in two weeks when we'll be talking about Star Trek's second pilot, where no man has gone before. See you then. (laughs) Bye.